I am wearing a very nice and festive shirt. This is my favorite shirt. Happy shirt. Chris got this shirt in Mexico. <laughs> it's a pink panther. It's yellow. It's very bright. Typically, I wear all black. But today, I'm, very, I'm feeling very joyful and spontaneous. Pink panther went to Hawaii. Speaking of joyful, today's guest <laughs> is very joyful. And that's, I feel like that's the best word to describe him because he's very fun, very charismatic. He's very contagious. Um, if you don't know who he is, his name's Carlos Whitaker. Mm. He is Loswit on Instagram. He's huge on Instagram. That is where he shares the most random and sometimes epic, but oftentimes it's a bird in his backyard kind of moments of life. And but it's you're, so engaging. You're watching it and you're like, why am I watching this bird? <laughs> or why am I watching this guy farm bees? And you just keep watching and then you find out that he knows so many interesting people or he, or he meets so many interesting people, but they're just normal everyday people. Yes. He shares life and he's a great storyteller. He's a podcaster, author, speaker, musician. I think that's just about everything. I'm sure he's way more than that, but that's how people know him. He is just this joyful, full of life and hope kind of person who just has so much wisdom to share, so much hope to share with us. And today's conversation, we talk about social media and limiting social media, but also sharing on social media, trying to find that balance, sharing on social media when you have kids or traveling when you have kids and instilling these values in your kids now, because he's in a season of life that we are not in, where he has kids who are in high school and college and beyond now, and, and their kids grew up with social yeah, media. It's just I mean, so fascinating. One of his very first videos went viral about his kids mm. like and this was before youtube was only four months old and yeah. he ended up on every morning talk, talk show in america so he yeah. knows a thing about going viral and how to handle that with your family yeah and we talk a little bit about chris has dubbed him you know mr rogers like he is like nashville's version of mr rogers <laughs> genuinely like i mean he just everybody's a friend and people refer to him as their friend even if they've never met in person because he just he's so good at sharing and making life relatable. So I don't want to give away any more of the episode. So this is our conversation with Carlos Whitaker. Oh, but before we go, not to beg, but we really just have a request. If you could just review the show, like leave a nice iTunes review, that would be amazing. Leave an honest review. You don't have to, you don't have to convince well, them to leave nice, well, just they can honest. still be nice. Yeah, okay, anyway, let's just get to it. <laughs> Hello, hello. Hello, my friends. You don't look like you're in a, a vehicle. <laughs> I, don't even, I, don't, I don't even know what to call the thing you live in. So I, just, I just said vehicle. <laughs> we think truck sounds cooler than RV. Oh, I don't truck. Know. You don't look like you're in a truck. Our, our new truck is like, it's just sketchy enough to where people start pulling their kids a little closer ah. in, you know? It definitely gives off creepy, creepy vibe. A little bit, things. a little bit. I love so, it. We right. love it. Carlos, I, I can't even say your name correctly because you say it in a way that you say it to your audience and I sound very white when I say it. So can you just go ahead and say your name, well, how you would introduce yourself? Sure. But before I do that, I do want to say that uh, for some reason, Chris, you have like one of my favorite voices or accent accent is the wrong the wrong word like just the way you talk is is like i love it so i, I can't even describe what it is so i actually really appreciate the way you say my name you know so you know, you know can you just say it again before i say it carlos okay yeah carlos. See, I, I just yeah. I, I appreciate Lo it you know? Los wit. Los, yeah, people yeah, Los tell wit. me that i sound like owen wilson he does maybe like that yeah it's just it's just it's this like you're just like everyone's buddy 
is is kind of kind of kind of like like what it feels like. It, it's it sounds like you're everyone's buddy. Uh, my my full name is Carlos Enrique Guitier Guzman Chibol Cabello, uh, which is oh, six names. So much um, but but no, I kind of like it when uh, Chris Owen says it. You know, Chris yeah, Owen. Chris. <laughs> Man, what a cool name. That's so much yeah. cooler than Chris Sarah Owen. Bethany. Yeah. <laughs> Chris what Owen. a cool name. Uh, Carlos, we're so happy that you're here. And we go back a long ways. Like, we've been friends for a long time. And I feel like, I, I mean, for people who don't know you, you're an author, you're a speaker, you were a recording musician at one point. You, um, I feel like your life is just so completely random. Like yes. you're a bird watcher. You're, yes. you know, a fly fisher. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, in a, if you could give us an, a beekeeper. Oh, beekeeping now too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. You guys have a little homestead up there yeah. in oh, Nashville. We do. We do. I want to come see Don't it. Don't get too close so, to my bees or they'll, they'll come out and get you. <laughs> oh gosh. My nightmare. <laughs> so if you were to give us an elevator pitch on who you are and what you do, like the quick 30 seconds, like what would that be? I feel, I feel like, Chris and Sarah, that I've been trying to, I've probably paid $10,000 for somebody to help me try to figure out what this 30-second elevator <laughs> pitch is because I just don't know, you know? Like, like it's like, what yeah. is it What what is it that I that I do? You know, I, I think when I take a real big step backwards and I look at the people that maybe are impacted by what it is I'm doing on, a, on any given day, it's like I'm a... I'm a um, I'm a word giver to people that may be looking for words. Um, I, I I I get that more than anything. Oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. I've been trying to to. That's exactly how I feel, and I've been trying to come up with a way to say it, but I haven't been able to say it. And so, whether that be in like difficult conversations, whether that be in like a way to show somebody that they love them, whether it be you know like, it's it's just it's like I I just try to help people navigate life. Um, and that's why I show all facets of my life, right? Not just, I'm not just like the business guy and I'm going to help you in this niche area trying to get, you know, whatever it's, it's the entire spectrum. I, I show my life so that people don't feel alone and people feel like, wow, there's somebody that, that is struggling like I am and look at how he's navigating it. So maybe I'm mm -hmm. going to give it a shot like that. There's somebody that has found some success. Maybe I'm going to give it, try to find success in the way that he's found success there. And so like, I just love to share my entire life, whether it be through books, um, telling stories, whether it be on stages, whether it be on Instagram, probably most of the time, 90% of my time, I'm telling stories on Instagram. Um, I, yeah, I'm a storyteller that's trying to help people tell their stories better, I guess, you know, and li maybe live their stories um, better. So I love that. How's that for an elev elevator pitch? Is that a good elevator <laughs> pitch? I'm going to. That was good. Okay. I'm trying to decide which direction to go here. Yeah. Well, You've got so many things happening. Yeah, like you're, you're this, <laughs> like here's Carlos and then you just, you know, yeah. and we, we admire that very, very much I love because that. we, oftentimes we get like pigeonholed yeah. in a, you know, a niche, down, you know, and I'm down. sure you have too. It's yeah. like, but I'm more than just yeah. a beekeeper. I'm more than just a speaker. I'm more than this. And then, uh, you know, more than just a traveler or whatever. Yep. And so like with that, like how, how is it that you're able to tell stories about the most like mundane things mm. because we would look at our normal life. Like we get back to Chattanooga, Tennessee. We love it here. It's, it's great, but like it's normal. Yeah. And so we don't want to document that. We're just like, oh, we're just going to Trader Joe's <clears throat> today. Oh, we're just doing this. Um, but you, on the other hand, I mean, you're traveling a lot. Yeah. You go to these 
cool places and then you come back home to Nashville and you're still documenting right like uh, about a blue jay you know right. in your backyard and yeah. people like thousands of people are watching yeah about yeah. You do it in an interesting way. It's not just like, look at this blue jay. You sure. know, like you tell the story from <laughs> slide to slide on Instagram. It's yeah. so good. So how, like, how do you do that? Like, how do you make every part of your life seem interesting? I... <laughs> I is your life more interesting than ours? No, 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 no. No, because it's not. Like, like I'll... And I, I do tell people this a lot. I... um, What I try to do is... In every story I tell, I try to find something that everybody can root for, whether that be the Blue Jay, whether that be um, the me trying to change the muffler in my truck, whether that like I always try to find um, who who is the thing or what is the thing in the story that everyone needs to root for, and I make it all about that thing, right? Whether it could be the butterfly that you know, that I found in my front yard and we're trying to rescue the butterfly and then the butterfly flies away and then the neighbor's dog, I'm filming it, is like chasing the butterfly. And then, you know, and then, and then of course, I, I, use, I use music to like, you know, I mean, that, that is my version of manipulating emotions. Like I will use music to the T, right? Like I am like, um, you, I score everything. You know, I, I really mm -hmm. do. Like it could be, you're right, like the most mundane thing. And I'm on Soundstripe trying to find the exact cinematic, you know, score for this moment of me, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I just I find something for everybody to root for. Uh, and I like to sh I, I think people um, they've grown accustomed to me sharing everything that, um, you know, I, I feel like. I am trying to not be just a highlight reel on my Instagram of all the coolest things that I've done. Um, people are going to, if they're going to follow me, they're going to have to get the, you know, the boring stuff too, me mowing my grass, whatever it is. And I think people are just used to that now. And so what that's done is it's created a intimacy between those that follow me and myself. That's probably, you're not going to get if you're just following people that are just showing highlight reels, right? So mm -hmm. if if you're following somebody, and, and I follow a lot of those people where it's just the glorious things in their life, that's really fun to watch and it's cool, but I don't feel close to them. But the people mm -hmm. I feel close to, right? Like like we, you know, when, when you go back and you, know, you look at Casey Neistat's first vlogs and he was doing it every single day, yeah, he was making the mundane seem... You know, he he was scoring the mundane. He was doing doing all the things, and suddenly, I felt when I when I finally met him, I was like, I'm meeting my friend Casey, right? Like, like because mm. he's my friend, and so I feel like that's what's happened because people will introduce me as I mean, I'll legitimately go to a conference and somebody will I'll get they'll get a book signed and they'll turn to their friend and go, "This is my friend Carlos," and they literally say, "My friend Carlos." I love that, and, and so <laughs> and they don't even think twice. They don't. I don't correct them. Because I've never met them in my entire life, but they mm -hmm. are like, this is my friend. Why, why am I their friend? Because they've seen the good, the boring, the exciting, the bad, all the pieces that you would normally see with mm -hmm. a friend. And so I think that's why it works. You know, I think that's why it works. I love that, that they can call you their friend. Yeah. It's, but that kind of raises a different question though. Where's the boundary for you? I mean, how yeah. much do you share and not share? Cause I know that you, like you said, you share everything, but yeah from a, a mental health side of things. Yeah. Where do you draw that line? Cause yeah. I feel like that's something we're always struggling with. It's like, how much do we share? How much do we not? Yeah. And deciding mm -hmm. what to keep private. How do you decide that? Yeah. You, well, I mean, I, I, they think I share everything, <laughs> you right. know, like, like they, they, right. uh, 
But the truth is, I don't, right? So, like, they're like, this is my best friend, Carlos. I know everything about his life. I know that his parents are, his dad has dementia. And I, I know that he bought the house across the street uh, to move his parents into. And I know all these amazing things that are happening. But that's what I choose to share, right? Like, they're still only getting five minutes, maybe ten, on, mm-hmm. on some days of my life. And... And so, yeah, so th- there are there are things that, you know, as my kids have gotten older, um, I don't share near as much about my kids as I used to. Um, that's a conversation that I have with people all the time is like, I actually wish I probably would have shared less when they were younger. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and those are conversations I have with my kids now. Like, you know, I've had to look at my kids in the eye and be like, hey, listen, I'm I'm sorry that I shared that part of you know when you were seven or whatever. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Would you like me to delete it? You know, like. There's just conversations that I think we need to be having constantly, um, just looking at the ethics of what we're sharing, looking at the ethics of, um, of how we're sharing other people's stories. You know, I've made yeah. a, um, I've raised a lot of money on my Instagram um, for people in need. And the way I share their stories now when I ask for money is different than the way I shared it two years ago when I started asking for money. So, so like, I think we just have to constantly evaluate what is it we're sharing why are we sharing it? Uh, and yet, like, there are things that you shouldn't be sharing. You know, there are things that I will never share. Um, you know, we were, my daughter's getting married in May. And they, um, it's, it was so funny because they hired a photographer. And I was like, so who's going to take, who's going to do video? And, like, clear as day, my daughter looks at me. She's like, we're not hiring a videographer. Like, you, you're just going to, you know, you, you're going to have your phone. Like, you're just going to do what you always do. And I looked at her. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, Thanks, hey, <laughs> look, babe, I am not going to be Insta storying your wedding. Like, I, I want to be care? your dad. Like, I just want to be there. Right. And so, like, I have to make decisions and draw lines in the sand that look like, no, I'm not just going to live stream your wedding to 300,000 people. You know, yeah. well, that's where her brain went, though. She's like, dad's got it. She's like, dad's got it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I talked to my wife. She's like. And Heather was even like, well, yeah, I mean, like, you'll, you'll be taking videos. So I was like, I do not want to take one video that day. <laughs> so, again, it's just people's expectations. You have to draw a line. You have to know where, where it is you want to experience the moment instead of capturing the moment. Uh, and I'm having mm-hmm. to have more and more of those conversations with myself and other people. Oh, I, we get that. And we're always, so we don't have the kids. We right. don't have kids to always have to think about, you know, how it affects I mean, their are lives. Are you asking Kramer? Like, are you looking him in the eyes and being like, hey, No, we son. just fully exploit him. That, is, the that is one person we would exploit <laughs> all day long. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He's, he's uh, why fun. half our audience is here. Yeah. But always having to like reevaluate how we're sharing something and making sure that we're giving people dignity. And that's always yes. where we come back to. Of like, when you ask for money, how are you giving them dignity? How are you sharing right. their story? And I, you, I've definitely seen the progression of how you, you know, first started out and how you're doing it now yeah. and how you find ways to, you know, show them as human, yep. which isn't, I mean, human hope is sort of the same idea. So, right. I mean, I don't really know what my question is in that, but I just, I really well, love the reminder of having to constantly reevaluate it. And for context, like for people who have no idea who you are, I mean, one major thing that you have, um, gained a lot of attention for is finding these random people or strangers and you've been raising money for them like you're walking through the atlanta airport and you strike up a conversation with the pianist and you get to know his story and then you raise an ungodly amount of money yeah not for your but not in a way that it's exploiting them or giving Sure. You know, praise to yourself. Like there's a really fine line and you've done a great job balancing that line. Well, and here's the thing is like, 
you can tell when you someone's crossed the line, right? Like, like you can. There are there are accounts that are you know honestly like I call them like like giving porn is is what I do. Yeah. Like like they're 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 exploiting homeless people there. Like you know, and then then there's no relationship afterwards. And so like I'm like every single person we've raised money for, I I make sure. That's why I don't do it. Like it's it hasn't become just like a raise money and give it away account. There there are accounts that that's their full whole purpose. But I want to maintain relationship with every single person that we've impacted, and I want to check in on them. And you know, we I did it for a bunch of Waffle House employees, and I still go visit Stacy at the Mount Juliet. She's the manager, uh, and whenever I'm in town, I go check in on her. Like, how, how's it going? And you know, I just want to make sure that we're constantly giving them dignity and making sure that they're you know human and 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 here's the thing too like i've had to um i've had to even change the way uh the way that that i do give money to even strangers right like one thing that i've had to learn is like when we gave raise money at the atlanta airport for these workers um who i'm still in relationship with all of them but when when i raised all the money i think we raised like one hundred twenty thousand dollars for the three of them holy cow um i was like hey so do you have a Venmo? And none of them had Venmo. None of them had Cash App. None of them had a smartphone enough to, like, smart enough to even download Venmo or Cash App. None of them had a checking account. They would just take their checks wow. from the Atlanta airport, walk to a check casting place, and and then suddenly I started realizing, wow, there's like systems that keep them from even being able to get the money that I've raised for them. And then, uh, how do I make sure that they? take the money and they use it for something that, you know, they say they want to use it for. So I had to find them like financial coaches. And there, there's just way more than I think. Um, I think we just have to be thinking way bigger when we do these things and we share these stories um, in order to give people the dignity that, that they deserve. And so, yeah, you know, it's been a process. It's been a growing thing. Um, and I love it. I, I love doing it. But I want to make sure that I do it well. I think there's no perfect way to do it. I mean, we can look back at some of the stories that we've shared and I'm like, oh, like it's so cringy. Sometimes I'm like, I should have done sure. this differently. I didn't treat them, but we're always learning and growing from that. And I think that's yeah. the best you can do. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, so you on your platform and in everything that you do, like it, I feel like you are a weird Mr. Rogers. Yes. Like you're, you know, you're. We have called you that actually. Like you're, like, you're just National like. National Mr. Rogers. Yeah. You're like a good neighbor, you know, and it's. But it doesn't feel like you're doing that for like for your sake. It's just genuinely like who you are as a person. And it's really interesting being able to travel like let's just ask this. Yeah. Like you travel all the time. Yeah. Like how do you how do you talk to these people? How do you like even find somebody to be a good neighbor to? Yeah. You know, that's a great I love the Mr. Rogers thing because people have have said that to me. They're like, you're the you're the Mr. Rogers for grownups. You know, um, and, <laughs> Need a card and, again. <laughs> and actually, I'm, I'm halfway through editing a, a reel on five things adults can learn from the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Show. So mm. you're 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 that that on it, guys. Um, I love we're it. cutting edge. You're, yeah, you're cutting edge. You're cutting it. Bleeding edge. Um, you know, I, I think as I um, as I travel, um, I'm just I'm looking for the people that are either invisible or and you can see them every all around you. They're either invisible or, um, or they're, you know, they're, they've been knocked down and people are just walking over them kind of deal. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's, that's what I look for every single day. I'm like, who, who needs to be seen today? That's how I found, found the piano guy, right? Like I, I, I hear him playing the piano. I turn over to him. 
He's got $15 in his tip jar, and 99% of the people around, them, around him are looking at their phone. And I was like, this guy's giving a concert of a lifetime, and he's invisible. And so I'm just constantly looking. The, on the way, my flight two days ago from Portland here, I am in line. Um, you know, I pay for all the TSAs, the clears. That I try to make that experience as, as minimal as possible, but painful as possible. Um, and, uh, and, and so why, why is it painful? Because we got we to wait in line. Everyone's grumpy. And everyone in between whoever you are as a traveler and your gate is just in the way, right? They're just in the way of you getting to where you want to go. So who, who is that? Those are the TSA agents. They're in mm-hmm. the way. They're not shiny, happy people. They weren't hired uh, to make you feel good about life. You know, they weren't hired to be your Mr. Rogers at 6 a.m. Um, and so <laughs> I see them and I just think they probably, I can't even fathom the amount of pain and gruff and attitude they get all day. So every single TSA agent, I say their name, officer, you know, whatever, Santos, thank you so much. You know, like I look them in the eyes, I say their name. I'm telling you nine out of 10 times when I say their, their name, they kind of look at me like, and they just smile, you know, and wow. who knows what just saying their name will do. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm like, they're, they're invisible to people. People just want to get by them. Who are the invisible people? Um, that's why I, when I raise money for the food court workers uh, in Atlanta, everyone's, you know, eating their food. They're coming around. No one's saying thank you. No. So I'm just mm-hmm. looking for people that need to be seen. Um, and I see them. And you don't have to raise $130,000, right? Just say, the, say their name. And, and watch something shift in their, in their day. Watch some dignity maybe come back up. Like somebody said, if they have their first name, say, that, thank you, Amber, for whatever it is. You know, at Wendy's, my milkshake. Uh, say their name, and there's just some dignity that rises up. So you're right. Like there's something intrinsically in me that just wants to see people that are unseen. It's probably because I felt unseen for a very long time, and, uh, and I've had people see me. And so, yeah, you know, I, um, I love to do that. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's such an easy way to connect with somebody and remind them that they are seen. It's just their first name. Most people are wearing that name tag. Yes. You're right. I can think of times when people have done that to me too. They're like, thank you, Sarah. Like if I have a name tag, I'm like, wow, they called me by name. There's something really special about that. Mm, What a great, like easy, free, like, and we may not always have money to give to somebody, but you can take a second and say their name. Absolutely. so special. I love that. I think I know where it started for you. Okay. This, this whole cause, um, it was at Disneyland and (laughs) It was when you were Eeyore. Yes, that was it. That was it. And people, people, uh, let me tell you the, 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 actually, so hold on. According to my, my work papers at Disneyland, I was a friend of Eeyore, FYI. Like I wasn't Eeyore. I was a friend of Eeyore, which is. Oh, I thought you were Eeyore. Well, I was a friend of Eeyore, which is what you're supposed to say when you are inside of a very hot costume. So so oh, for, for kids, for, ki- for little boys and girls that are listening to the uh, podcast right now, I, oh. Carlos, was, Carlos was a friend of Eeyore. Um, and so <laughs> when, when, I, when I was the friend of Eeyore, um, I don't wanna get sued by the Disney company. I, um, <laughs> I, I, here's, this is funny because this is, actually, this is actually really funny. So this was out of college, uh, maybe this was like 98 or something like that. I'm working at Disneyland. You know, and I, I'm ex- fully expecting to be a friend of Tigger, right? I'm, I'm like, this is like, I've got energy. I, like, I do the audition, and, and I can't even believe, like, I made it through the audition, and I get hired. And then they cast me as Eeyore. 
uh, as a friend of yours. And I'm so depressed. I'm like, this is horrible. So when I'm in like when I'm in like Poo Town or whatever it was, um, Poo Town. <laughs> it's probably Poo-town. not what Poo-town. it was called. When, when, I, when I'm hanging out with, with Poo and Tigger, the, can I tell you the lines of people that were in line and kids <laughs> to see Poo? And then the lines of people, well, all three of us would be out there. It would be Poo, Tigger, and me. That would be there for Tigger. And I'm telling you, it was like only the depressed kids that were like, you know, coming and, and getting in line with me. And it was barely even them, you know. And, uh, and I, there was like three people in line for me and like 100 in line for them. And I just didn't feel seen. Uh, so, Chris, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, what my time is, Eeyore, is the thing that made me want to see invisible donkeys. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so you were sitting there roasting in that costume, just roasting, roasting, for and nothing. and for nothing. Nobody wanted to, you know. They would always come to me when the line for Pooh or Tigger was too long. So yeah, oh, that's so sad. It, it wasn't just like somebody's got to do it. It wasn't like you had to get in character. You were already oh, like no, living the moment. Already, yeah. I was already hunchbacked. I was already like crying. It was just miserable. <laughs> Whoa, it was me. <laughs> How long did you do that? I, I did. I, I did it for four months. Um, okay. And I got in trouble the first week because um, I had a um, supervisor come to me with a like little autograph book, like a kid's autograph book. And they go, is this you? And I looked and I was like, yeah, that's the way I signed it. And I didn't spell Eeyore with two E's. I only spelled it with one for an entire week. So I was <laughs> ruining kids, like just ruining, ruining kids' lives. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's probably going for a lot of money now, oh, like yeah. on eBay. Yeah, it's a, a rare one Eeyore. <laughs> Eeyore one, just, so listen, if you were a kid in the you know, late 90s <laughs> and you went to Disneyland and got your book signed by Eeyore, just see if it was one E and that would have been me. Oh my gosh, so funny. Oh, that oh, is really man. funny. Uh, so, yeah, I, man... Carlos, we can go anywhere in this conversation because like your life lends itself to that way. But I feel like we've we've talked about like seeing people and and being intentional with people who feel invisible. Um, And like, but what keeps you going? Like, why? Why? Why do you feel so motivated to to be this contagious personality of, you know, or or being positive or showing like, like, why, like, why do you do it? I I just, I see so many invisible people every day on my, in my DMs, on my phone, um, people that just don't feel seen. And I I know I can't see everybody. And I know, um, I know that that that's going to be impossible. But what I've seen is the power of community to see people is so much greater than the power of seeing somebody alone. And so when I can if I can pull out my phone and help somebody feel seen um, that has felt invisible for a long time, I, it is it is addicting. Like it is it is something that I think we were created as humans um, to have a great addiction to is rescuing. I I say in my last book that humans have a reflex of rescue. You know, like we we think that we that we don't have a reflex of rescue, but if you dig down deep enough, like it's literally there inside of all of us. We look at you know society right now, and you you think about just the polarization and the disconnect and the division that we see. Um, and, you know, I'll tell people all the time, we're n- people say we're more divided than we've ever been, you know, and I'm like, no, no, we're not. Like, I, I know you, you uh, just read the history books, okay? Like, we're not more divided than we've ever been. We just have more access to other people's opinions than we've ever had before. So it feels mm-hmm. like we're more divided, but we're actually not. So if that's the truth, then how is it, and this is something that I do love to do, how is it that we can see people that are actually nothing like us, that are vehemently opposed to the way that we look at the world, Um, people that dehumanize other people? How can we see them? Because there's a reason 
they're dehumanizing other people, probably because they've been dehumanized themselves. And so just trying to get people to look through this lens that every single person, it could be the quietest, shyest person that you can imagine needs to be seen. But also, can I tell you something? Like the amount of CEOs and very well-off people that have millions of followers, maybe even influencers, they actually need to be seen too. You know, and so like everybody has this innate desire to be seen. And so that's what keeps me going. What keeps me going is knowing that the work's never going to be done. I'm going to continue to have to um, not only see people myself, but teach people how to see people. Uh, and, mm. and again, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. I like that. So you've talked a lot about how you bring value to other people's lives and also how you continue to be inspired to share about their lives. But let's jump back way, way first book, Carlos, to Uh Moment Maker. Yeah. Can we just talk a little about that and making moments out of life? Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just share. I mean, you've got how many books now? Four? Five? Uh, I'm working on the the fifth. Um, Working on the fifth. I'm working on the fifth. Uh, Actually, I just finished the sixth, but it's a kid's book. So I've got a kid's book coming out in March. Oh, my gosh. So oh, yeah, cool. so lots of books. I got lots of books. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. Cause I feel like, especially your first three books, they kind of like lean one into the next, to the yeah. next. So let's start with the moment maker. Cause I think that's when we first really found you was your book. Uh-huh. Um, I remember actually Chris buying it for us. Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago, but okay. just, it, it always sits with us as far as like making moments out of things that yeah. may not be what, what it may not be Instagram worthy or may not seem sure. Like. Could you just, Talk a little bit about like how that started for yeah. you and what that looks like. I love that because that that book came out. I feel like before Instagram, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like it was, it was, it was. Like, hey, you know, you can make moments without having to post it. You know, like it, right. like it, it's amazing. But you know, I think for <laughs> for me, um, you know, moment maker. Um, what was the what was the subtitle? Oh yeah, it was. You can live your life, or your life will live you. And I, mm. I remember I heard that from. I think a pastor, Matt Chandler, maybe said it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that, that's that's it. You can either. There's so many people that are um, letting their life live them and not in charge of the moments of their lives. Um, or you can you can be in charge of it and start creating moments. And so, you know, that book really came from when my kids were really little. And Heather is the she's the one my wife. She's the one that. Um, even to this day is the one that is planning these crazy trips that we are going on that anything you ever see cool that I do on my inst literally anything that you see it is not me it was not my idea I did not want to hike through the jungle to find a, a, a an ape at you know the top of a mountain and feed it peanuts like that no that that wasn't that was my wife's idea so she is the moment maker and I think that it's what's been cool is it's really dripped down into my kids and so to watch my kids become young adults now and become little mini moment makers you know they're living their lives Mm -hmm. they're not wasting any opportunity i mean here's the thing like we all have an an expiration date you know i I know this is depressing to talk about but we we don't know when it is we all want to imagine that it's going to be when we're 97 and you know and it's like oh we're going to fall asleep you know whatever no like we don't know and so like if you're listening to this right now i just get fired up like you've got an opportunity to really impact somebody or just create moments just to make your life feel like an exhale you know um and uh yeah so you know i I love that book i love talking about it i loved um you know giving people um but that was 2014 i think uh which is crazy uh giving people reason to um to wake up every day and to just kind of charge out the door and you know and make moments and again the moments don't have to be these crazy 
hike through the jungle moments. Like every single day, if you're, you know, I tell people all the time, if you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad and you've got, you know, just kids running around constantly and you're thinking, oh, what in the world? Like, I don't have any time to, oh my gosh, you have so many moments that you can make with them. You know, you have mm-hmm. so many things you can do. And so, um, yeah, you know, the, the moment-making thing probably was the catalyst for, um, for a lot of the things that I'm doing now. I'm just, I'm just making them in different ways. Yeah. So one common theme that keeps coming back in a lot of our episodes lately is that point of entry. And for a lot of like, you know, there's that theme of travel in most of our episodes yeah. where um, people a lot of times think it has to be something crazy big to make it an experience. You know, it has to be Instagram worthy. But right. that moment maker idea of just start with where you're at. Like there's yes. always that opportunity to have that memorable moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, my that's, gosh. That's the point of entry. And it, I love that reoccurring. Well, thing. and what I love about that is when. You know, we we have. If you look at my Instagram highlights, we've been all over the planet, and just even in the last twelve months, right? Like Rwanda and France, south of France, and all these places. And so people are like, "Yeah, you guys just travel everywhere." Well, you know what? Like that was not the case up until five years ago, when I finally, in my mid forties, had enough money to take my kids on vacations overseas. So you know what we would do? Like we would take trips that were 45 minutes away from our house in Riverside, California. Like that was our point of entry for travel. We, would, we used to play this game where we would um, roll a dice and, and the dice was whatever the dice would land on. If it was 15, we would drive 15 miles. If it was 43, we would drive 43 miles. And then we would um, have the kids stick their hand in a jar and it said north, south, east, or west. And they would pull it out and we would drive 43 miles east. And we were so, ex- we were broke, but we were so excited about, okay, we're going east, where we would end up. We would never know. Where- it could be a strip mall in the middle of Palm Desert, you know, like, like, and it's like, this is where th- we were meant to be here. And we would just have so much fun, right? And so I just tell people, like, I love that, Sarah. Like, the point of entry is so small. Like, you don't have to have this huge point of entry. No, wherever you're at, you can start doing it now. I love that. And mm-hmm. I love that you're doing it with kids. I mean, that's one thing that Chris uh-huh. and I, we can't really speak to at all it's just because we don't have kids. Sure. But we, a lot of people who do listen to us do have kids. Yeah. And mm-hmm. seeing that you guys are doing it from even, you know, strict budget all the way up to yeah. you have the money to go to the south of France now. Like yeah. finding that point of entry, no matter where you're at, and then taking the kids along for the ride. Yes. And, helping them make memories in their lives early on, not missing those opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool. And your kids, you know, I don't think I've ever actually met your kids, but they seem like really cool, solid kids. <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they, they are the, the one, the one caveat, not caveat, the one um, warning I would heed parents with having your kids be travelers when they're young, again, be travelers, whether it be 45 minutes or whatever, and putting that, that adventurous spirits into the, into them is just know that when they turn 18, they're going to keep, going and they're going to leave you and they're going (laughs) to my daughter's moved moved to france for a few months and um you know so they were there at the beginning of this year they moved there from january to march i think and it was the first time we'd all been apart from each other but they were like no this is what you've instilled in us and so they saved their Mm -hmm. money got an airbnb and traveled europe for you know and so it's just it's been so cool to watch um watch what's caught rather than taught you know, mm. and and that that's really what's happened with our kids. So yeah, you know, kids are watching. Take drag them around, drag them around. That is so cool. I love that. That is really cool. So the more the more that you travel and the more that you are are successful, do you feel has it become harder for you to share about your successful moments because it can be kind of unrelatable to, yeah. to people at the starting point? I, I I do I do kind of feel that because I've always been. You know, I, I mean, Chris. Chris has helped me 
for a lot of years in in my bootstrapping solopreneur life, right? Like, I, it's just been me and Chris, and and it's like, Chris, can you, you know, I'm, I'm like filming fitness videos on my on my webcam on my laptop, you know, doing burpees, and Chris is like, hey, bro, can I help you with with these things? Like, you know, I was doing like fitness courses like that, and and so I've been like the bootstrap solopreneur guy, right? And everyone's just super relatable. Relatable and and yeah, to be honest, like you know, I've got like full management team now, and like I've got people doing things for me, and it does mm-hmm. feel I want to constantly make sure that I keep remaining, you know, a man of the people. And actually, this has been a point of contention in my in my career. To be honest with you, it, is that I, I am so much I so much don't want to lose that that I probably have turn down a lot of um money or opportunity because i'm like that's just it's just unrelatable and i just i just i don't know if i can do that and so so yeah you know like it's actually even affected i probably could be living in a different house than i you know am right now had i just sold out's the wrong word because um there's a lot of people that make that choice and they do it but i just won't like you like there's just there's never been an Instagram ad on my on my Instagram. I just I I try to just keep that. That's the purest place I can be, right? And so like, I've had so many opportunities to make a whole lot of money, and I'm just like I'm just not gonna do it. Like I like they're gonna sniff that a mile away, and I just I've spent too mm. long building trust with this platform, and the reason why I can raise so much money is because I'm completely transparent in mm-hmm. every dollar that's given. And no, nobody's seeing me buy new cars and, you know, all these things. And so, like, I feel like I've worked so hard to build this, this trust that I just don't want to screw it up. And so it, it has been not that I'm not going to buy a new truck. Okay. So not that that stuff's not going to happen, but I am very careful to make sure that I, that, that the trust is still there and that I'm making decisions, um, honestly, for this community that I've built. Um, mm. And t- to make sure that that's at the forefront, because the you know my Insta Familia, they're the ones that book me for these speaking events. They're the ones that you know, like I know that that I do get income from them. You know, they buy my books, like all these things. But there's just some things that that I, I won't do um, yet, and and I and I haven't done. And so um, can't even remember necessarily the origin of that question, but just making <laughs> sure that I stay as much as I can um, as relatable to them. You know. Like that yeah, too. that's a hard balance. I mean, we're not quite, we're definitely not quite to where you're at, but we definitely feel that pull of like people, you're, I don't know, that standard it's, of what's relatable is right. always going to change for different people and mm-hmm. having to learn that. Cause I mean, we both grew up on like real tight budget kind yeah. of things. And so anything, it just, you know, balancing how that is perceived by the world is hard, but at the it end is. of the day it's your life. Mm-hmm. Finding that balance is really hard. Yeah. But yeah. man, okay. So what else do you want to do with this conversation? Cause we don't want to take up too much time I know, here. I know. I know. What do you have? Uh, I mean, I always have questions, but I mean, I definitely like, I really would love to lean into like the whole family side of things just because you do have that. And we haven't, I don't think we've really talked to any families on this podcast. Not like, yet, no. So you refer to it as your Insta Familia, mm. you know, your Instagram, which my Spanish accent is terrible, but <laughs> Insta Familia. I cannot speak Spanish for the life of me. Try as I might. But let's talk about your, is it okay if we talk about your family or yeah, how much do you share? Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm always interested in like, you know, you have social media, you're huge on social media, you're sharing it. 
how do your kids feel about how have you instilled boundaries in them? Because your kids grew up in the generation of social media. Like we yeah. were on the cusp of it. We got it more, you know, high school, college kind of thing. I mean, one of your very first videos went viral, yeah. right? Like, I mean, and this is before like viral was a viral thing. YouTube, I mean, YouTube really. was four months old when this thing went viral on YouTube. That's oh insane. Oh my gosh. Which video was it? Single Ladies um, Devastation. That's right. Yep. <laughs> I know <laughs> and and most people listening, they probably remember or seeing that video and sure. then have totally forgotten about it. Right. And now they're remembering it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it has been a um, it's been a journey with with my kids. Like I said, I've I've stopped sharing as much, especially when they got into like the tween years. Um, I was like, you know what? Like like this is this is their life, you know, and, and so I would ask them, hey, can I can I can I share this or can I and Honestly, 80% of the time it was no, no dad, like don't, don't want you to share that. Um, and they've also seen the, um, you know, you, you, we talk about Moment Maker, but there's a next book called Kill the Spider where mm -hmm. it talks about my life falling apart. And a lot of that was because my identity was placed in other people's values and opinions of who I was, uh, whether it be on social media or my blog back then, whatever it was. And so they've seen the dangers also of believing your own hype. They've seen the dangers. They've seen, they've not only seen it, they've lived through their father having to um, find healing because of, because of social media. And so I, I, I think that as, as far as parenting, one of the things we've dis we decided to do early on that um, I tell parents all the time, especially with social media and things like that, is to um, make sure that you know, your kids you can't tell your kids to do something that you're not doing yourself. Like, like you, you can't, like, I, the, the times I would be like, get off your phone to like Sohail and Sayana while I'm like, literally just scrolling, you know? It's like, <laughs> can you imagine, you know? Like, like, don't drink while I'm just taking shots of vodka like right in front of them, you know? It, it's like, we have to remember that, um, you know, that, and, and also that it's not, it's not about them not using it. If you're gonna parent them, actually have them use it but teach them how to use it responsibly, teach them how mm -hmm. to use it well. And they've also seen that, they've seen the good that's come. Like my kids are, you know, um, every time I do a giving blitz, man, they're, they're like all, all of them at home. They've since a couple of them, or one Santa's moved out and, and whatever. But like, if they do a giving blitz, they all end up in my living room. Like, okay, dad, where are you at now? Like, what's it, what's it at now? Like they've seen the good that comes from it as well. And so, um, mm. you know, one, one of the, I actually have a podcast episode, maybe I can find it um, and you guys can link it. But I have a podcast episode where, because that video of single ladies devastation went viral when Lasai was like two years old, right? He's crying because I told him he can't be a single lady. And you know, it, it goes viral when he's singing Beyonce's all the single ladies. Well, you know what? I literally looked at him on, during this podcast with tears in my eyes and said, you know, buddy, um, I, didn't, I didn't ask you what, what you thought about me posting that. And I can imagine maybe that was embarrassing. And I let him, unpack yeah he really didn't like that 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 everyone that talked to him was like hey that's a single lady that's a little single you know like and um and so like i literally with tears in my eyes like apologized to him on my podcast and he mm -hmm. forgave me and those are those are things where we need to think about as parents now like what are some things that you shared about your kids that maybe you need to delete uh maybe you need to apologize to them for uh and it doesn't have to be a big thing you know and 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 allow them to feel like, wow, like, again, this is back to being seen. My parents actually see me. They, they, they've seen me mm -hmm. for the, so 
you, I've had to have difficult conversations because of social media. Because it's funny now, though, that he's you know sixteen, seventeen, uh, and is and the girls have found that video, um, you know, and he's like, hey, yeah, you can share that video because they, they're they're like they think it's the coolest <laughs> thing ever, you know. Uh, so you know, just okay. I'm like, now no, we'll put it back on, you know. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. But um, uh, yeah, you know, I just think that you just have to do it on purpose. If, if you if you're not doing mm. it on purpose with your kids, um, you're going to accidentally wound them. And so you know, you're going to do that already. So go ahead and and purposely protect them. Purposely um, let them feel seen. And I think that's really we're living in the wild west when it comes. All this is brand new. Like like the rules are being written as we're you know, as, as we're living these social media lives. Mm -hmm. So just try to do it with as much integrity as possible, as much humanization as possible, not only for people that you're telling stories about that you're not related to, but to, you know, for your kids as well. So, you know, mm -hmm. I look at, I look at my kids now and I, and I, Lasaya still doesn't have Instagram. Um, the girls do, uh, but they're very, um, they don't share. They definitely, there's a generational gap here where they don't share. Like I share, like, they're like, Dad, yeah, 40 slides a day is, is definitely a 50-year-old problem. Like, like that, 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 that is, that's, that's what 40s and 50s do, you know? Like, uh, we, they're like, if they share something, it's so weird. We were just in Montana for, like, seven days, fly fishing. You know, it was the most epic. I'm, like, sharing everything, posting it. They, like, Sayana maybe posted one seven-second video of, like, water flowing under her waders with no sound. And that was it. It was just like seven seconds, no sound, and with like a little emoji in the corner. I was like, "What? What was that?" Like, and I literally asked her, "I was like, hey, babe, like, I think you accidentally posted something with no sound, like on your." She's like, "Oh no, I did that on purpose." I was like, "You did?" So anyway, you know, they do things differently than we do, uh, but I guess, I guess, at the very bottom of this ladder, I'm climbing down to try to get to a point. It's, it's, it's make sure that their identity isn't isn't being manipulated by social media, whether that's by you mm. or by them. Um, make sure that their identity is not rooted in that. That's yeah. good. Yeah, we see, I and mean, like I said, we can't speak to it personally because we don't have kids. So like, sure. our, we try not to like look too closely at it, but we do see everything, especially in the travel industry. Of just, oh, yeah. You know, parents using kids oh, and that gosh. kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Honestly, it's hard to see sometimes. I'm like, yeah. are we well, exploiting yeah. our dog? <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's hard to see sometimes, but I know that just from like... A, we're on the outside. Like, I don't know your kids, but I, they all have a strong identity. It seems like outside of social media mm -hmm. and I yeah. think that's something's been done. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, you speak about the like wild west and I, is there a point in your life where you will put down the phone and like walk off into the sunset and never <laughs> exist online? I love this question. I because I, <laughs> it's, it's, I love this question because I actually think about this question every week. Like I, th that, that is <laughs> me too. I, I'm like, is this, it? this, this may be it. Like, like th this, this, I, especially when I don't, you know, if I take three or four days off, you know, and, and I'm not, and I haven't shared anything and I'm like, maybe it can be five days. Maybe it can be seven. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But then mm -hmm. I look on my calendar and management team has like, I have social, <laughs> social calendars now. And it's like, nope, today you're posting about the, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, um, yeah. the, you know, the, uh, yes, I hope there, w I hope there is going to be. Uh, a day that that happens. Um, and I hope when it happens, I, I enjoy when it happens right now, there, there's desires for it every once in a while, but I also really still enjoy sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I just don't ever want to not enjoy sharing. And, you know, here's a little sneak peek, um, for your listeners. I I'm starting to give some sneak peeks to this. Um, 
that that my publisher is not necessarily asking me to give sneak peeks yet, but my next book, <laughs> and I think I told you, Chris, what I, what I did for my next book. Maybe not. No. Uh-uh, oh, no. okay. So, so last year, um, in uh, ju- late July, I put up a post saying, Hey guys, I'm going to take a little break from social media. Um, I'm not going to be around. And I'd never done this before. So I was like, I'm going to take like four weeks off or whatever. Well, I, I didn't reappear for like 11 weeks. And during during those 11 weeks, I did an experiment on myself that I'm writing a memoir about. And I mm. went to um, Dr. Daniel Amen. He's a neuroscientist in L.A. And I had him scan my brain the day before I went offline. And I had him scan my brain oh. at, at seven hours a day on my phone. That's about how much I was spending creating content and editing and posting and doing all the things. Mm. And then I left his office and my best friend Brian drove me three and a half hours into the high desert of Southern California. And um, I got out of his car and he took my phone, my Apple Watch, my laptop, my iPad, and he dropped me off at a Benedictine monastery for three weeks. And I lived wow. with these monks and I never saw a single screen. Um, so, so not only was I off social media, like I didn't look at a screen, like it was 23 hours a day of silence. It was the most miserable first four days of my entire life. And then it became the greatest two and a half weeks of mm-hmm. my entire life. And so I lived the monastic, this Benedictine monastic life because I wanted to see, I wanted to be reminded like, what, what was life like before all these things mm-hmm. were in our hands? And it, just the beauty of existing and living and noticing and conversations mm-hmm. where nothing ever vibrated in my pocket or my wrist to take my attention. Even if I didn't look at it, if you feel it, you're for mo- you're taken away. So I wanted to remember and recall what it was like to live before this stuff happened. And here's the kicker: after I um, left the monastery after a few weeks, um, Heather picked me up, drove me to LAX, and I got in. I got on a plane with a paper boarding pass because I still didn't have a phone, um, and I flew to Cleveland, Ohio, and my friend Leanne picked me up, and then drove me two hours to Mount Hope, Ohio, which is a small four-way stop. Um, Amish community and she dropped me off at the Martin sheep farm and I lived for another three weeks with the Amish fully oh, wow. full, fully in with no technology lived with them for three weeks did I if a sheep were to walk in my basement right now I could shear that thing in three minutes flat like I've got <laughs> oh, life, I got life skills I didn't know I'd have right but so now I'm now I'm like seven weeks right with no technology at all like no screens haven't seen a screen don't know what's happening on planet earth don't know what's mm-hmm. happening anywhere except for what's around me, right? I feel like that's what we were created. That's one of the things I'm writing about. We were only created to know what's in our community, like around mm-hmm. this, and really care for that. Then I moved home for another three weeks after that with no screens. My family still did Netflix and all their things, but I was like, well, anyone could do this in a monastery or with the Amish, but could I do this in real life? You know, so I lived at home for three more weeks. Then I ended up flying back after my entire experience, 11 weeks or so to Dr. Amen's clinic and he rescanned my brain mm-hmm. and he read it all the things. And so um, I'm writing, that's my next book that's coming out next September is oh, exactly cool. Chris, what you said, putting my phone down and walking off into the wild blue yonder. And mm-hmm. it was the most healing, incredible, you know, weeks of my life. Now, and here's, here's the thing, spoiler alert. I'm not like some digital minimalist now. Like I'm not like back to, Oh, Carlos gave it up and he's on his phone an hour a day. No, I'm back to seven, but <laughs> Here's the thing, balance. What, what, what I what what the book is going to help people with is what I did was I, I was reminded of all the things that we've stopped doing 
because mm. of it. And I've just added those things back into my life. And now it's so much fuller, right? Things like, like noticing, things like savoring, things like moving at three miles an hour, things like the table, the average length of a American meal has gone from 60 minutes in like the 60s to 12 minutes. Like, like we, we mm -hmm. don't even sit yeah. around the table anymore. Like all of these things that I was reminded of. So that's what the book is gonna be. Just mm. these reminders of getting lost. Things that we don't, that are very human that we don't do anymore. Um, mm. And I'm excited about it. So there, there you go. There's a little sneak peek. I'm so excited I'm about excited that. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I, we took a cross country road trip this past winter and I shut my phone off total for six weeks, but I sat in the car in the dead of winter there and back across the country with social media. Wow. And I looked like a sociopath. Yeah. Like a I, th I thought she was, something was wrong. She would just stare out the window. I'm like, is everything okay, I Sarah? Stared like, all the way across <laughs> Kansas, just stared. Yeah. I loved it. Like I'm like you. It's such a weird balance. Cause I feel like Chris and I are both like introvert extrovert yeah. where we have those moments of like, I'm just going to leave it all. I'm yeah. going to move to Montana. This is it. But then we also really love that side of social media that allows us to connect with people because we're such people, people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's that weird balance. But man, I'm excited about that book. Yeah, so, too. Do you have a name for it yet? A title? I don't. I don't. But here, okay. I did take. I did take uh, two Sony cameras, and I self-documented the whole thing. So it, it's going to end up being. Uh, we're going to enter. It. I've got a producer working on it right now. Film festivals. We're going to do the whole thing. So. Wow! Oh, cool. Awesome! So excited! Very cool, Carlos. Thank you so much. I yeah. feel like that's such a great place to it wrap is. it up. Well. Yeah. Or do if, you have one more question? Well, if people want to follow you, oh, if course. you have one last thing to say, well, like, let's just go out with a high high note. Yeah. So if you have one last thing to th say and like, where can people follow you and learn more about you? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, um, though you can follow me, you know, Loswit on Instagram, L-O-S-W-H-I-T. Instagram, same thing on Twitter, but it's, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde if you follow me on one or the other. So just know I'm, real, I'm really sarcastic and angry on Twitter and super happy Mr. Rogers on Instagram. Um, you know, and, and, and this is actually something that I just this week, I just kind of had a big realization um, that may be helpful for somebody. You know, there's a lot of people that are going through a lot of rough things, you know, these days and everybody, everybody everybody's going through something. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so for me, um, my dad, my, my dad's going through, you know, the later stages of dementia. I just bought the house across the street for me to move them into. Um, and, and, and something, you know, people are always like, you know, Carlos is so difficult. It's so hard. He's forgotten everything. He's forgotten who I am, all these things. But one thing that, uh, I want to leave your listeners with is, especially for the, for those listeners that maybe have forgotten what joy feels like, uh, and, and maybe they're just struggling. They're in a, they're in a, De pretty dark place of depression, all these things, and and they're feeling like oh, they'll never find it again. One thing that that I learned through some dementia specialists that I've spoken to, that is so true, is my dad has forgotten everything. But you know what he hasn't forgotten? I he can still laugh. Like I I can still make him laugh. Like I'll tell him a joke, I'll I'll tickle him. Like literally, like like go under, and he'll he'll die laughing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he has not forgotten joy. That is actually something intrinsically inside of us that that we will never forget. So for those listeners that are listening right now and, and may be thinking to themselves, gosh, man, like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it's in me anymore. I promise you it is still in there. You just have to dig a little mm -hmm. maybe to find it. And so just a reminder to them um, or to anybody that, you know, that's going through something hard, that joy is still there. If it's in my dad and I can still pull it out of him, then I promise you, you haven't forgotten it either. So good. Yeah. So. Oh man. <clears throat> Carlos, thank you so much. We are going to link everything in the description so people can find you, follow along and see what's next. 
You guys are the best. Good talking to you. Yep, you too. Thanks for listening to What No One Tells You with Chris and Sarah. If you have a comment or question that you want answered on the air, be sure to send us a message to hello at chrisandsarah.com or you can call or text our phone number at 423-825-9572. Thanks for listening.